So, guys, I mm-hmm. think I have a spiritual gift. Mm, interesting. What kind of spiritual gift is that? I think I have the spiritual gift of healing. See, I was I was walking around the mall the other day, and this guy, his his left leg was a little bit shorter than his right leg, and I like I like healed it. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to figure out what I should do with my gift. I thought about maybe. We're Chase. We're doing the podcast. Get out. <laughs> Get out. I'll pray for his healing. <laughs> <laughs> this is a Christian artist honoring Christ through creativity. My name is Caleb. My name is Connor. And my name is Carly. We're here, and Connor made us an hour late. And yeah. so that's I'm just going to let you guys know Chase okay. definitely did that on purpose. He, he may have, yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're here, and what are we talking about today, guys? Talking about the fact that I just got a haircut. All right, we're going to do a whole episode on Incorrect. Connor's haircut. <laughs> Actually, before we get into the topic, we, what we should do is talk about a few things. One being, Carly, how did your thing go? Like, for the listeners. Oh, yeah. Like, how did your... Uh, oh, yeah. You want to tell, tell, tell them about why we took a two-week hiatus? Yeah. Yeah, so for the past two Mondays... um. I went to both the Camas and Washougal City Councils and um, appealed to them and asked them to make those cities sanctuary cities for the unborn. And um, Camas was relatively underwhelming, though, I mean, I got up there and did it, so, like, I felt good about it. And then Washougal was actually very encouraging because the mayor said that she'd take it into consideration and... I got it. It seemed like I got some support from some of the council members, so it'll be exciting to see if anything happens with that. I would like to correct your language there. It's you said it was underwhelming, is whelmed. The proper, proper the thing language. is, I know exactly what that's from. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's overwhelmed and just whelmed. So. They were whelmed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, who who can say that they did something like that? Like for real. And for you to be a minor and go and do that. Like, this is where it's at. And you not only told them to make the cities sanctuary cities for the unborn to, you know, not murder children, but also you preach the gospel to them. So. Mm-hmm. that's pretty lit too Caleb it's just water alright <laughs> I can't drink water from a it, gallon it looked jug like a, it looks like a jug of milk no Connor <laughs> you know me better than that I wouldn't drink, drink a gallon of milk I know. cool cool no, yeah, unless I'm it was a new spiritual gift of yours <laughs> glad it went well um, I have one brief thing to mention before we get started in the topic, and that's uh, I just released an album. I yeah. I had an album come out. It's called Losing Road, and if you listen to the podcast for any length of time, you probably know about it because we reviewed some of it on the podcast. Uh, but yeah, it's actually officially out now. You can find it on Bandcamp. Um, what's the actual link here that I can send you to? Uh, I believe it's just like... I'm trying to remember what in what order it is. Uh, it's 
calebunpowers.bandcamp.com. That's where you can find it. It's right there on the front page of that. And, uh, yeah. If you would, go support me in this podcast <laughs> and buy a cool album with lots of cool music. Uh, but, yeah. So, that's, that's all I have to say. But, uh, yeah, what are we talking about today? What's, what's well, let's also bring up the fact that we're going to go visit Carly and her family. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess. Yeah, so <laughs> two days. I figured we would talk about that at the end of the episode because we were going to have to talk about how. Yeah, we can. Right. Like, <laughs> I mean, okay, we, can just mention, we already mentioned it, so I might as well mention it now. I was just planning on bringing it up at the end when we were like, we're not going to have an episode next week because you know, we're going to be in a different place. Uh, I am going to bring my camera, though, so we could record some sort of special right. episode. Right. Yeah. That could be a thing. Uh, yeah, I'm going to vlog the whole trip. Uh, but yeah, that's gonna be really exciting. Connor and Mickey Ginter and I are going to go visit Carly Pinch and her family in Washington State. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be great. And uh, and then I'm gonna go visit um, some more friends in Idaho. It's gonna be a good time. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to that. But without further ado, what is the topic today, Connor Powers? <laughs> Cessationism. <laughs> you took a bite around and asked that question. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Cessationism. What is cessationism? What is ceasing? The Asian obsesses. That doesn't even... No. no. <laughs> That's a no for me. What is seizing? It's when you collapse. Carly, what what is seizing? What is the for thing something that is to stop. <laughs> no, no, no. What? But what? What is the thing that's stopping? What is the thing that is cessating? Oh, oh. Seizing. Se <laughs> now that the, those don't even sound like words anymore. <laughs> um, I mean, certain certain spiritual things that God gave during the um, apostolic period. Yeah, the apostolic gifts. Yeah. yeah. So, first off, got to start with a few disclaimers here. We are all cessationists. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, obviously, we're talking about it from that angle. Um, uh, and as Connor would say, you know, the biblical angle. But, you know, that's that's how the way he hey. says it versus the way I say it. I would not have ever said it like that. Um, I would say it. <laughs> what? I, I don't believe you. Okay, I might have said it in front of you too if we weren't live on the stream. Okay, okay. <laughs> but we believe it is the biblical angle. Yes. That's the of point course. of yeah. these. Otherwise, we wouldn't believe it. Exactly. Yeah. Every every Christian who yeah. who says, yeah, it's the biblical angle, of course they should say it like that. Otherwise, why would they be trying to teach something if they didn't believe it was the biblical angle? Mm -hmm. Fair point. Fair point. Uh, but yeah, so so where we're coming from in that coming at it from that angle um we're coming at it from the idea that um right the apostolic gifts have seized and what we mean by the apostolic gifts is the like supernatural like gifts of healing and speaking in tongues and prophecy those sorts of things that uh was available to the first century church and we see regularly um like a normative in the first century church this was like a thing that was happening all over the place there's all these people were getting these spiritual gifts that was a normal normative thing you can see that in the first century um and uh but, but besides that we want to disclaim that I, I i i mean 
I am speaking for everyone, and I believe I am right in doing so, when I say none of us believe that God can't heal people anymore. Yeah. Or that, you know, God can't do supernatural things. That's not or what Or that God saying. doesn't heal people anymore. Mm-hmm. Or, or that he doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. There are plenty um, of examples of people praying for a, a for somebody and then being miraculously healed, even supernaturally so, mm-hmm. that has been documented. There are like hundreds of these cases in the past couple of thousand years. The difference is in the New Testament, Christians were doing these things. They were performing mm-hmm. these miraculous actions because they had that power um, given from God. Specifically so they, as a spiritual gift, as like yes. an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I think that's, they were accomplishing those things. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't happen for us anymore. We don't accomplish these things on our own. We ask God to accomplish them. And if he wants to do it, he will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's important to, cause, cause some people might be like, but, but that's just the way it is. Was in the first century too. God was obviously doing the things. Yes. We, we, we agree with that obviously, mm-hmm. but uh, there's a difference in the way that it happened. Um, right. We have a, a, a visible miraculous wonder happening by the direct word of a person and this was their regular gift, right? So this, this person had the gift of healing or the gift of speaking in tongues. And they could regularly perform that gift as a supernatural power that was unique to them. Maybe not like unique in the sense that like no one else could do it, but rather that they had this particular gift. Well, maybe another person who was a Christian did not. This was a specific outpouring of the Holy Spirit in these first century believers' lives. They had these miraculous gifts that were given to them, tailored to them specifically, while today we believe that these things are not spiritual gifts given to people specifically that are normative. Um, mm-hmm. That is not to say that someone could, uh, you know, be the means through which God uses to heal someone, whether it's through prayer or whatever, right? But in terms of like the specific, like I am a, like an apostle or prophet and I'm like speaking to you and like saying your leg be healed and then like miraculously your leg just like is all healed and stuff. That doesn't happen. <laughs> for instance, anymore. for instance, um elijah calling fire down on those soldiers um and like like three different times these soldiers come up to him and he's on this hill and he's just like well fire you're just gonna kill you guys now um peter saying ananias and sapphira are gonna die and they fall over dead instantaneously um yeah all the times that they spoke in a different language in order to preach the gospel speaking in tongues yeah Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Um, and, and so I think it's, it's easy to see that there's at the very least something different about the way that Christians function. Now we are not walking around miraculously healing people. Um, and if you believe, if you believe that what we do, right, if you're part of like maybe the new apostolic reformation, um, uh, or, you know, or just Pentecostal or just Pentecostal in general, right. And you believe that that is true. Um, there, there are, there's some weird kind of like manipulative sort of things that can go on in those those um, sorts of dominations that people may see, seem like they are doing these miraculous signs um, when in fact they're, they may be just self-deceived into thinking they're doing something miraculous when they're not or they're confused as about what the gifts actually are, especially in the case of tongues or um, right or, or they're, they're a legitimate false teacher and they're leading people astray. We, we just watched uh, a documentary um, called American Gospel that goes into detail 
about um, uh, a lot of charlatans, like legitimate charlatans mm-hmm. who claim to have miraculous healing abilities and are actual like shams. Like they are purposely lying to people about the abilities that they have and uh, deceiving people. Um, I think just obviously we have to come at this from a biblical angle and I'm not saying that the, like the reason that we believe that the gifts have ceased, um, is that, uh, we, we don't see them anymore. That's not what I'm saying. That's not the reason, right? The reason is we, we believe looking at scripture, we can make a solid biblical case that this was normative for the first century, but not normative for Christians after the first century. Um, one last point of, um, clarification before we kind of get into the nitty gritty here. We do not believe that the gifts of the spirit in their entirety have ceased. There's a difference mm-hmm. between these specific like supernatural apostolic gifts given to these people to like do supernatural healing and the gifts of the spirit, such as, you know, this is your particular gift and talent that you've been created with by God. And now you have, there's a spiritual application of it as a Christian. Like knowledge or ministry or right. Yeah. You have the gift yeah, of teaching, like right? That. Someone who is good at teaching. That's what that means, right? That's uh, that's less that's less like uh gifts of the spirit and more like each person is created uniquely. Right, exactly. Um and first Corinthians twelve, mm-hmm. right? The body of Christ. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that's that's the difference. Um the uh the degree of of gifting, I guess, the degree of the power, if you wanted to say that. Is, is greatly diminished mm-hmm. now. Yeah. And and again, this is not a... a, a for, for lots of these things, we're not saying this is a lack of God's power. Mm-hmm. It's simply um, God's character. Yeah. It's, it's not that God can't do this. It's that he is choosing not to. It's for a specific reason. Like he chose specifically mm-hmm. to... Actually, it's probably the other way around he specifically chose for that season to use these supernatural means in a way that he did not normatively in, in the rest of history. Um, and so there's a couple of things we need to go through here. Uh, what do we want to start? Do we want to start? Cause we could talk about the purpose of these spiritual gifts. We can talk about the, the like use of them, what they aren't. There's various places we could go from, from here. What do you think? I mean, at least I, I can start with like kind of my background with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Like experience around all this stuff. Um, so I was raised in, uh, assemblies of God, Pentecostal church. And so like every Sunday, um, most, mostly every Sunday I would hear what I was being told was speaking in tongues. And usually there would be an interpretation. Sometimes there wouldn't be which as I grew up as a teenager, I would look at the Bible and I would be like, Paul says there has to be an interpretation. So I'm Oops. kind of uneasy about this whole thing. I'll, like already, like that, this was one of the issues that always confused me, no matter what, like what I was seeing on Sunday, ser- in the Sunday service. Um, and so just growing up that way, kind of like, even before I was reformed, I was kind of skeptical of like, it doesn't seem like like what I was seeing in church met with what the Bible was saying anyway. And so I was very concerned about it. And so, um, 
and I even there was one day during um, a, a early morning prayer uh, meeting that we used to go to at our old church that um, one of the he wasn't a pastor at our church, but he um, he used to be a pastor. And so he came to our church. He came to the prayer meetings a lot. But he he asked me one time, like, have you ever spoken in tongues? And I was like, no. And then he was like, do you want to? And I was like, not really. <laughs> I was like, at that point, I was like very, very uneasy about it. I was like, I don't know if this is like an actual thing. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm very, I'm, yeah, I'm familiar with what most people think tongues are because I grew up like for 14 years, like hearing all of these things and mostly believing them. So yeah, that's, that's kind of where I come from. So I'm not, I'm not uninformed about what people actually think about this stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So let's, let's get into that then. Let's specifically talk about tongues uh, in that idea um, since you brought it up. So we have to go, I mean, obviously we're, we're waiting to go to, go to scripture to find out what tongues are. Um, mm -hmm. So where, does anyone know? where Corinthians 14 <laughs> well no no where we see oh. tongues spoken where we oh. see people speaking in tongues in scripture like uh, in a narrative account the book Probably of acts, acts. Yeah. somewhere the, Is it a Bible study uh, yeah time pentecost acts 2 yeah so let's open your bibles to acts 2 <laughs> Uh, I need to there, there or open your phones. So in Acts two verse one, it says, "When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven." And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear, each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, and the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, uh, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamph Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in their, our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mock, mocking said, they are filled with new wine. So we see tongues spoken. What, what's going on there? What does it mean to speak in tongues? To speak in another language that you're unfamiliar with. Yeah, to speak in another language that you are unfamiliar with. So, first inclination would be, all right, so just like randomly saying syllables that nobody understands uh, is not speaking in tongues. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the normal like counterpoint to that is, wait a second, 1 Corinthians 14. And uh, I want to pull that up real quick because this is where Paul talks about uh, prophecy in tongues. And uh, let's see. Do, do, do. 
maybe that's not the right right passes let me let me look for something real quick i'm looking for a specific verse um i think you're thinking of 13 am i yes first corinthians 13 he's talking about the way of love um paul is talking about love and and how like you can have all of the crazy gifts and uh still but if you don't have love you don't have anything and he says um uh, let's see where what verse is this verse one yeah verse one uh if i speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love i am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal and so normally people will the, the pentecostal kind of counterpoint to this is well wait a second i'm speaking in the tongue of angels when i you know randomly say gibberish so there's like a spiritual language that nobody hey, understands gibberish that nobody understands unless you know you have the you watch your tongue <laughs> tongues yeah (laughs) multiple tongues that's gross um (laughs) but yeah that's usually the point right they come back to this is a spirit there's a spiritual language that nobody understands and so this this is like the thing i'm speaking when i'm like speaking in this language and, and you know speaking gibberish one thing i would say right away that just kind of just seems off about the way that said um, not even going to this verse specifically and, and the exegesis that we have to do to, to actually know what's, what's being talked about here. But let, let's think about this. If speaking in tongues is still a thing today, people speak in tongues regularly and, you know, in Pentecostal churches, like you have to speak in tongues or else you're not a believer. Like that, that's like, you, everyone is expected to speak in tongues. It's normative. Mm-hmm. But the only language that you speak is this spiritual language. Where is that normatively found in Acts? Even if we, if we, even if we agree, if we like said there is an actual tongue of angels, some sort of spiritual language that only like you can only speak if you speak in tongues, then the normative pattern we see for speaking in tongues, that the basically one of the only places that we see it explained to us of what what's actually happening, is in Acts two when we see they're all speaking in different languages. People can understand them because it's a language that actually exists in the world and humans speak. Why is it that the only people who speak in tongues today are the people who speak in this weird spiritual language? Why don't we have people all over the place going on missionary journeys because they have this gift of speaking in tongues and they can just speak every language because they, they have the gift of tongues. That's what it's supposed to be, right? We, we wouldn't need people to train other people in languages. Um, our, our old pastor from Faith Community Church, Pastor Sean, would not have had to spend you know, a certain amount of years learning uh, French and Creole uh to go minister in haiti he would have just we would have just found someone with the gift of tongues and sent them instead um this is not a normative pattern um even though the like the people who who talk about the gift of tongues that's the only thing that they can do right they can't actually reproduce another human language which is what we see as a normative pattern all they can do is just say random gibberish that they claim is this language of angels um there's a discrepancy here right um but then also connor do you want to run through the verse itself and talk about it i I feel like you did you had you uh looked at this before you you had it the other way around you're muted now no i just didn't hit the button what were you talking about uh so, so we have verse one of chapter 13 if i speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love i am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal 
Talking about First Corinthians thirteen. Yeah. Does this mm-hmm. mean that there is a actual tongue of angels that people can speak with the gift of tongues? I feel like this is called hyperbole. It's called a rhetorical question, but yeah. <laughs> well, well, yes, but but still, even if I could speak in the tongue of angels, it's it's yeah. it's, it's it's trying to prove a point by exaggerating. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right, right, right. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, Paul's saying this is something I can't do, but even if I could, even if I could do something angelic, it it wouldn't mean anything if I didn't have love. Yeah, he's not actually claiming that there's some sort of angelic language Mm -hmm. that uh, does it. This is the only place we even have this hinted at, except for Mm -hmm. uh, another verse, which is um, talking about the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit speaks with like um, groanings and utterings. Yeah, yeah, too deep for words, right? And and that's basically talking about um a mediation between us and Christ, right? Like this mm-hmm. idea that the Holy Spirit's like um you know helps us to pray, basically, right? Like that, like even if we can't find the words to pray, the Holy Spirit like helps us to like you know take those seek those... God's will because that's what prayer is. Yeah, exactly, right? Like to seek God's will and 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 also like present our our needs to the to to Christ, right, and to the mm-hmm. Father. Um, even if we can't like you know communicate them because we're in anguish or something like that right like there's uh, there's hope basically in that right like the holy spirit is here to help us Um, and i think it's important to understand right off the bat when we're talking about these things is if we're talking about biblical hermeneutics right how to understand and read the bible you don't take a verse one verse talking about groanings and utterings and paint the whole bible and create this whole speaking in tongues idea off of that one verse. You don't you don't isolate a part of scripture and paint and well and create a theological doctrine out of it. For the same reason you don't take 1 Corinthians 13:1 and create a whole a whole doctrine out of it. A create a whole sect of Christianity that says let's speak in tongues and the tongues of angels and now you're, you're not saved unless you do. Like, that's where we're at. And it's because people take one verse, one verse, and they make up this whole thing around it, rather than taking the verses around it and trying to understand what God intended to say by it. Mm-hmm. That's biblical hermeneutics. And it's probably context, to, yeah. Yeah, it, the, 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 uh, it's, the, the term is called either correlate or principalization. You, you let the whole entirety of scripture interpret itself and you let the clear interpret the unclear. You don't let the unclear, a verse about groanings and utterings too deep for words, interpret the rest of scripture instead because that's you see, unclear. Yeah, instead you see the normative pattern of tongues being actual human yep. languages spoke to un- like communicate the gospel or the works yep. of God right to someone yep. else. And then you you realize, oh, okay, those verse can't the verses uh, are mo- most likely can't be referring to those things because uh, of the context and because of this other normative pattern that we see. So we can we can know what it, what it actually means. Um, and th- that comes down to you: what do you want to be true? Do you want God's word to be true? Do you want to know and understand mm-hmm. what God wanted to say, or do you want to understand what you already think? Do you come to the text thinking, I want tongues to be true. I want what I already believe to be true. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you're going to find reasons in the text to prove your point. Yeah. Whereas you should go to the text and say, what can I learn 
let's get rid of my bias. Let's get rid of my um, preconceptions and let's let God decide what truth is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There, you just, you just, I just summed up my whole hermeneutics class right there. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's a big reason why when I would go to these chapters, I would go to first Corinthians 14 and, and 12, I think too. And I would be even more confused than I was before because I wasn't looking at looking at this issue in the entire context of the Bible. I was just looking at the specific chapters where Paul talked about it and it didn't make sense to Mm -hmm. my mind in today's church because it, I wasn't taking it in the right context. It was just like you you were pointed to these are the verse that verses that talk about yeah. this thing and you're just like okay <laughs> yeah. but I still don't understand this thing so yeah yeah mm-hmm. any anything else to say about tongues specifically um I just read um tongue speaking by Kenneth Gentry yeah and, it's a great um, book. and it's like forty two pages so yeah highly recommend even if you're not a reader it I'm gonna go po- sums post it up a link to it in very, chat right now yeah it sums it up very succinctly. And he's very clear about everything that he's trying to get across. And he brought up one thing that I hadn't thought about before. And that's why I was looking forward to reading this so much is because I, I kind of thought I had heard most of the discussion on the issue, but I was still curious as to what he had to say. And um, he brought up the fact that tongues is, was not only in the early church, a sign of God's blessing, that, that his saints were able to communicate in these languages and preach the gospel to these people that didn't know their native language. But it was also a covenant curse on Israel because um, in, their, in their history, God told them, like, you will not be able to understand the languages of, of these people that are going to take you captive. And that was a sign of God's judgment on these people that they had not obeyed God and therefore these people that they didn't understand were going to be all around them. And so that was really, really interesting to me. Like God often works in those ways that it's like, this can be used for good, but it's also a sign of judgment on you because you disobeyed. (laughs) Well, that's good too, though. Yeah, that's true. Judgment is good. Yeah. It's it's (laughs) different between love and judgment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, let, let's keep reading in Acts chapter two, because it, it starts to get into this, actually. Um, in, in verse 14, it says, but Peter, standing with the eleven, this is right after the people start speaking in tongues, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days, it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy and I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hashtag preterism, hashtag that post. <laughs> And yeah. so this is this is this is legitimately important. So when we're talking about cessation, cessationism, and we're talking about like, okay, have the gifts seized? Like, what what were their what were their purpose? Why were they around? How can we know that they've seized? And that's tied in with what their purpose was. We have yeah. to understand 
this passage right here. This is a really, really important passage for cessationism, for preterism, for postmillennialism, for eschatology in general. This is so important. Let's go through this again. Verse 17, and in the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Very important to understand what Peter is saying about this passage. He is interpreting the words of Joel uttered hundreds of years ago to mean this age right now, this is happening. This is not Peter saying, oh, right, like in the last days, the days that are going to like come like 2,000 years in the future, this will also happen the same way now or the same way then as it's happening right now. Don't worry. Don't pay attention to anything that's happening right now because this isn't important. But this is a good a good sign of, of here to come. That's not what he's saying. He's, he's very specifically interpreting and saying, hey, everybody, pay attention. This is happening. As Joel said, this is the last days. This is the end of the covenant age. This is... 70 AD is coming. There's going to be a judgment on you, Israel, because you have continually not listened to the prophets. And Jesus, the last mm -hmm. prophet, came and you killed him too. And now you're going to be surrounded by prophets. You're going to be surrounded by people who will prophesy to you, who will speak in your tongues, who will let you know that the judgment is coming. They will warn you. You will still not listen to them. And then the end will come. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, this is continuing in verse 19, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, we have to pay attention to that language. This very specific language being used there does not mean that the moon will actually be blood or the sun shall actually be turned to darkness does not mean that blood, fire, and vapor of smoke will just appear randomly in various places. It's using apocalyptic language in the same way that it's used in Isaiah to talk about judgment. The Specifically judgment, Isaiah 13, yeah. if you wanted to go check that out. The judgment of the Lord is terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. And uh, this is like apocalyptic language showing how bad it's going to be for the people on which the judgment is going to fall. Um, right, like using poetic language to describe that that horrible judgment that comes when the Lord Lord uh, decides to judge uh, Israel right now. Um, and so, would you, would Carly, would you grab the? Do you have the tongue speaking in front of you? Yep. I assume I assume you do. Yeah. Would you turn to the? I, I I don't remember. I don't have it in front of me right now because AJ is borrowing it. Um, but would you turn to the part about um the uh what was it called? Um, that, that what you were saying, the judgment part, uh, because mm -hmm. I'm trying to remember, there was something about that I remember from that book that was like Joel, that, that prophecy about, um, how, like what you were talking about earlier, that the, the people would be speaking in a language they didn't understand and that would be a curse to them. Ooh, cool, cool little um, side note from, uh, from yeah, dude. I was just reading that. Yeah. That's super interesting. Yeah, Pentecost is an anti-Babel or reversal of the confusion at Babel. 
In Genesis 11, mm. the people of Babel yeah. seek to make a great name yeah. for themselves, and they were united by two things, their speech and their lip, which is a Hebrew idiom for a confession of faith. They were united by language and common mm. confession. God confounds these two things about them and their arrogance. In Genesis 12, God promises to make a great name for Abraham, so he promises to do for Abraham in the gospel. Um, and he's telling me to go to Isaiah 28, so I'm going to go to Isaiah 28. Let's see what's there. But this is really important when we're talking about um, what wh what are the purposes of gifts? Like, what why do the apostolic gifts come? What are their what are their purpose? Um, the purpose was not as as many people wrongly assume about Jesus' miracles, about the apostles' miracles. They were not because people were going to be healed, and that was that was what God wanted for them. He was just we want to heal everybody. That's not the point of miracles. It's really nice that Jesus healed a bunch of people and they believed the gospel because of it. And, you know, people got healed from sickness and had demons cast out of them. The point was not the miracles, though. The miracles themselves were a sign, a sign of something else, which was two, twofold. One, that uh, it, it was to point them to the gospel to be like, listen, here, this is a word picture. I'm, I'm, I'm the one who is saving you from this illness or from this blindness or whatever. I'm also the only one who can save you from this death and sin that is, you know, killing you and that will continue to kill you until you die. Um, the only way you're going to be saved from this is because of me. And so it's a, a picture of the gospel. Also, um, all miracles are supposed to be um, signs that the person doing the miracles are actual messengers of God, that they are signifying Validation. that I am from God. Yeah, I am from God. And uh, my, mes my message is true. Um, important thing to note, Satan cannot do miracles. <laughs> he cannot. He can tr do tricks sometimes. He can, he can do things that are maybe considered miraculous, sort of, kind of. Like, you know, make people, you know, have people being possessed by demons. That's a thing, right? But in terms of, like, actual legitimate, like, raising people from the dead, making people well, those sorts of, like, miracles, Satan cannot do those. And so you know that these that the reason that the Israelites knew that these were actual prophets is because they could actually do miracles. If Satan can do miracles. Well, okay. Hold up though. Yeah. Hold up though. Because in Deuteronomy, mm -hmm. um, God says that, uh, not, not that Satan can do miracles, but, but God told his people that if you start seeing miracles, the Lord, your God is testing you to see if you will follow after other gods. There's a, um, a passage. I want to say it's Deuteronomy 13. Um, that's talking about um, that that whole idea um, that God tests his people by giving them miracles, but if they leave them after other gods, do not follow after them, um, which is really important because the reason that people then thought Jesus was Messiah was not because he performed miracles, but because he was the fulfillment of the prophecies. Because if some other guy comes around and starts doing these crazy miracles, it's it's not um, we shouldn't follow after him. It's because God said Jesus is going to come and this is what he's going to be like. We trust God's word rather than um, miracles. Um, Deuteronomy 13 verse 1, if a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes true concerning which he spoke to you, saying, let us go after other gods whom you have not known and let us serve them. 
You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams for the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall follow the Lord your God and fear him, and you shall keep his commandments, listen to his voice, serve him, and cling to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death, because he has counseled rebelling against, rebellion against the Lord your God, who brought you from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery, slavery to seduce you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall purge the evil from among you. Which I believe is, is where uh, Paul quotes from in first corinthians 5 when he says purge the evil from among you then yeah so that's interesting because i i'm under the impression because of the way that it, these are presented in the in the new testament is that like these are legitimate and the only way that they're legitimate is because they're from they because from they were god. prophesied about yes well because they're well because they're from god no because when we when we think about and this might be something you, you and i disagree with on right now because we're, we don't know the the whole event we have to look into scripture more to, to figure this out um, but when we're looking at like, say, say, for example, the, um, uh, the, when the Pharisees blasphemed against the Holy spirit by saying, you know, Jesus is a son of the devil because he's doing these miracles. Mm -hmm. Um, right. The reason why that was so grievous is because you're literally saying that something that can only be done by the power of the spirit is being done by demons. Um, and I wouldn't be saying that. I don't think mm -hmm. that's what that passage is saying. Um, I, I would say that passage is saying that God can cause someone to do that, to have those miracles and yet be right. tested. I them. see. I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, re regardless, I would say that, I mean, what, I mean, demons can accomplish supernatural things, right? I mean, that's not something that, yeah, to an extent, yeah. Right, but to I, an but extent. Like, that's the thing, like, demons can't raise people from the dead. That was the whole point, right, right of that. Right, of I, I get that. Yeah. I get that, yeah. Um, that's an obvious thing. Um, but I would say that's why we have to be so wary of this whole idea of, well, let's just trust the Holy Spirit, is because the Bible oh, tells of us. of course, yeah, 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 of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so I think the important thing there, right, was this was for the, the first, what? What were we saying? Connor? Can you Hold up, maybe me? it's me. Carly, could you hear him? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, all right, we're good. Go ahead, say it again. Um, I, <laughs> I can't remember now. I was going to say, uh, oh, when we're looking at the first century, right, the, the reason this is happening in the first century is because um right that script the canon wasn't complete yet um and right. so the, these were these were signs that yes these people are actually having the right message of god and so you should listen to them um like i i i don't know of anyone else in the the apostolic age that was doing these miraculous signs that's why they were doing them is because right because because this is the issue right I, I we'd have to look at specifically what that verse is talking about because i i, I can't i can't think right now that it would be talking about legitimate actual miracles because god says other where other places that this is the sign that you know that these people are for me is that they are doing miracles and if, if if someone can do miracles that isn't um a messenger of god then that would 
completely like just get, throw out the window the point of miracles in the first place. One of the main points of miracles, which is to prove that the messenger is actually from God. That's why Elijah and Elisha did miracles because they were proving that they were from God. Because the the, the Baal worshippers couldn't, right? That was the whole whole idea. Um. But so so yeah, like digging. Um. And we've we've got on a tangent. I'm trying to trying to bring it back, trying to think of. Well, I found well, the the part in this book. Yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. So this is chapter five of tongue speaking. Um. He says the generation to which Christ ministers was rapidly filling up the measure of guilt of their fathers. Consequently, that generation was to receive the fullness of God's covenantal curse. God would send the Roman armies as his armies to raise the temple, R-A-Z-E, which the Lord had left desolate. Thus, the sign of judgment, foreign tongues, is given to Israel for a period of 40 years between Christ's ascension and the AD 70 destruction of Jerusalem. God is turning from Israel to the Gentiles. For 40 years, Israel, the favored people of God, the guardians of the oracles of God, are given the sign of sign of covenant curse and impending judgment the nation which had been redeemed to be a kingdom of priests now receives the word of their god from others in a foreign tongue right yeah yeah so so right like i think we have to look at um the the point of these miracles as talked about by peter in this sermon and, and talking about like, okay, so this is a sign of what, and look, look, looking, looking at other places where this, well, the point of miracles, the point of these things is to be a sign that this, this person is like speaking the words of God and like, and then also that there's a judgment that might be coming. Um, you know, the, the prophets did that many times where they were performing miraculous signs in advance of a judgment coming. So they, the Israelites knew that this guy is being serious. He is actually from God. And we know that the judgment is actually coming. Um, this is important to know because it tells us what the point of the gifts were at this period of time. It was the same point that miracles had been throughout all of history, right? They were a sign of something else. The, the, the miracles were not the point. Um, and that's, I think, the main point to, to gather. If, if, we, if you get nothing else from this entire podcast, this is the point to, <laughs> to focus in on. The point of miracles is not the miracles. Right. Mm-hmm. So when we look at the like new new apostolic reformation um, and the Pentecostal movement in general, these people, the miracle, the miracle is the point. Right. The whole point of being on Earth is to do miracles. That's the whole point of even living is because God wants us to heal everybody. They want everybody to be happy and wealthy and all this stuff. Right. This all fruits of this false idea of what miracles were supposed to be, and they they're supposed to be a sign of the gospel, a sign of the works of God. Right. Like when we look at the the tongues up here. Right. He said. Um, uh, they were amazed and astonished. Uh, we hear them telling in our own tongues, the mighty works of God, right? The point was not that they could speak tongues. This point point that they were speaking the mighty works of God to people who could not understand them. Um, and then, you know, other, other passages, like the, the whole healing thing, uh, in, in the, I mean, Jesus, the reason Jesus healed people, as I said before, right, was to be a picture of the gospel, but also to, uh, be a sign that like my message is true what i'm saying is true i am a prophet and so you have to listen to me uh pharisees there's a judgment coming i'm telling you there's a judgment coming i'm doing miracles you have to believe me i am the son of god i'm telling you flat out you're not believing me all right judgment um that was the 
point of miracles. And this is the exact same point that's being made about the gifts of the spirit poured on a Pentecost. Um, because we have this approaching judgment in the 60s and 70s um, of the, the destruction of Jerusalem, the attack of the Roman Empire, um, the failed war of the Jews. Uh, these gifts, these sign gifts, were to signify that this judgment was coming. And we go to verse 21, right? And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, right? So it's this, it's this warning that judgment is coming. The, new, the covenant age of Israel is ending. The new covenant is arriving. You have to be, if, you, if you're in the new covenant, then there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But if you aren't, there is much coming, uh, judgment because you are still under this old system that is has been um you're 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 in you're still a divorcee right you're still the 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 unfaithful wife um and god is going to divorce you um and he's taking a new bride you want to be part of the new bride you want to be part on that wedding day right like that john talks about um in uh well jesus talked about in the gospel of john right this wedding this wedding day that john the baptist was like i'm not I'm not the bridegroom. I'm just the friend at the wedding. And look, the bridegroom, you know, the bride is coming to the groom. This is amazing. I love this. This is so much joy is happening mm-hmm. here. But for those who aren't coming to Christ, who aren't calling on the name of the Lord to be saved, right? They're still the the unfaithful wife who's prostituted themselves against to all these other gods. And they've rejected the Messiah. They've rejected the prophets over and over again. And now their judgment has to come. And the this, this sign gifts, right? The, the apostolic gifts were a sign and seal that this was going to happen. Um, and when we understand that, then it's really easy to be like, oh yeah, the gifts don't, aren't here anymore because the Bible says like they're here for this specific amount of time and then they cease. This was the point of, of the gifts. And so obviously the point of the gifts is gone now. So the gifts aren't around anymore. That makes sense of the world we see around us. We don't see people speaking in tongues all over the place. We don't see people miraculously healing people all over the place, which is what should have happened if this was supposed to be a normative pattern because we see it all the time in the first century church all the time and so if that was supposed to be a normative pattern i mean we like children's hospitals are empty right like people are going to children's hospitals and just healing all the children uh you know we we don't need missionaries uh to train for years to to learn languages we just send people with the gift of tongues all of these things right point to the fact that the the gifts have ceased and i just rambled a lot so someone else should talk (laughs) yeah and i don't think uh, like what you're saying i don't think that deuteronomy 13 has any any quarrel with that i Mm -hmm. mean yeah yeah yeah. it's no i get you yeah 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 yeah, i just just seemed odd to me the main point this is this is the main point that jeff durbin had to always come back to in his um debate with andy stanley is Mm -hmm. andy stanley was just saying well there's this guy who died and rose again let's follow him Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, we don't just follow some guy who shows miracles. We follow mm-hmm. some guy who shows miracles and says, let's go back to God, because we don't want to be deceived into following other gods, even if they are performing miracles. Right. And I think the point so there, too, right, is that like people can fake miracles. It's not that it's not yeah. to say that they are actually doing miracles. They, they could be tricking you, deceiving you, right? Because that's happening all the time in the New, New Apostolic Reformation, yes. all of this stuff, right? Yeah. It's the point of we, we look at their fruit and we see that, oh, they aren't following God, so they must not be doing right. real miracles. So, so it, it would be dogmatic to try to figure out whether or not they're actually performing the miracles or not. It's just irrelevant. The, the point is, if, if somebody is doing signs and wonders and leading you after God, then you know they're from God. Mm-hmm. And how do we know 
who if if we're going to God or not? How do we know if we're being led after God? Well, scripture. Let me go back to scripture. What does the Bible say? And if it doesn't match up with that, then we don't trust it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also the the verse that uh, um, I don't know how to say his his uh, his his name on here. Highly highly ironic. Highly ironic. His his name oh. is Aaron. It's it's <laughs> yeah. Aaron Siver. Uh, yeah. How do you pronounce your last name? Because <laughs> I don't think I've ever actually tried to pronounce it. Aaron Sever. How do I know him? He's on Twitter. He follows okay. Twitter. Okay. And on Facebook, okay. Gotcha. Actually. Okay. Long eye. <laughs> um. So Isaiah twenty eight eleven and twelve. Indeed, he will speak to this people through stammering lips and a foreign tongue. He who said to them, "Here is rest. Give rest to the weary, and here is repose," but they would not listen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that was that was what he was trying to say before too um so there is something else in the chat though yeah you want to talk to talk about uh yeah. sylvius's question <clears throat> um so uh this is something that uh todd friel addressed in his radio podcast um radio podcast radio broadcast <laughs> that's funny um that the whole idea of Hebrews 1, 1 through 2, right? Um, which we should just go and read. And, and especially on top of that with this whole, um, the, the gifts have obviously ceased because the end of the covenant age, right? And, and when we read Acts 2, we see the day of the Lord and um, um, the last days as obviously talking about not something distant in the future of talking about 70 AD, and people will try to say, well, it's no, you don't understand. It was just, it was just um, because it's God, right? God is outside of time. And so looking in on this, well, you know, the last days it's, it's God, he's outside of time. So that could mean any period of time we want it to mean. Um, and, you know, they take the verse in, in either first or second Peter, I think it's second Peter, which says, um, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years. is like a day with the Lord. Right. And so they say, well, you know, these last days can be talking about anything. And although I agree with amillennialism more than I agree with pre and dispensationalism, um, obviously there's a huge disconnect there because God isn't writing this book to himself. He's writing it <laughs> mm -hmm. to a specific, yeah. <laughs> specific yeah. people group. And, right? and God doesn't try to confuse his people. Exactly. That's that's First Corinthians 14. That's First Corinthians mm -hmm. 14. You know, like God in Revelation. He's not, where... he's not a God of confusion. Yep. He's a God of peace. Yep. Yeah, we know in Revelation where he commands uh, John to not seal the scroll because the time is near. You know, and he didn't yep. actually mean that. He just wanted to confuse John. And, you know, <laughs> exactly. Why basically. would you? Yeah. And it was, it's God isn't writing these books to himself. There's an audience. And we understand the word near as being near. We understand the yeah. word last days as being duh, all right? <laughs> this is at hand as, of course, it is, it, it's, it's preschool. This is what we learned while watching Sesame Street, guys. Near, far, <laughs> near, <laughs> far, far. Okay. Um, so uh, I was going somewhere with this. Hebrews 1, 1 through 2. Um, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. Okay. Um, we could have this theology of, 
well, these Muslims are seeing these dreams and are coming to Christ. My, my problem with that right away is, are they hearing the gospel in their dreams? They're not. Mm-hmm. They're getting pointed to the gospel because of their dreams, which is great. And I will say, for Philippians 1, along with Paul, the gospel is preached, and in this I rejoice, mm-hmm. and yes, I will yeah. rejoice. Because God can take a, a, uh, a broken stick and, and strike a straight blow, or a, a crooked, crooked, crooked stick, stick and strike a straight blow. We can, we can right? never get that idiom right. No, we can't, <laughs> but it, it's a great one. Um, the, the point is not... Okay, and, and I, guess, I guess this is kind of the point. Let's say that is happening and that God is, God is using this as a, it's a miracle, right, to, to bring Muslims to Christ. Are we now going to not preach the gospel to them and just trust that God is going to bring them to Christ through these dreams? Obviously not, because we have the Great Commission. We're not supposed mm-hmm. to go out and pray for unbelievers. We're not supposed to go out and um, um, just be thankful for them or, or whatever. We're not supposed to not go at all. We're supposed to go out and preach the gospel. And so um, whether or not these dreams are uh, from God or not is, is irrelevant in the sense that we don't judge someone's um, salvation based upon anything but fruit. Uh, and so what I would say is, According to Hebrews 1, 1 through 2, and what we see with Acts 2, um, with these, uh, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. We trust the Bible now. We trust what Jesus has said in his word. We trust the people that Jesus appointed as apostles. And we know God because of his word. Um, and so I never want to try to change that theology based upon experience. And so if these certain things are happening, I, I am wary to say, well, what do we do? Um, I just say, let's just trust scripture and, and let that define our theology. Yeah, he said, let me clarify what I'm saying. Cause okay. I, he said, obviously, let me clarify what I'm saying. So right. he'll he'll write that out and we'll we'll answer it. But uh yeah, any other any other thoughts on cessationism? Um I mean, yeah, that passage in Hebrew one also kind of lines up nicely with what we're talking about, right? The idea that we have the canon of scripture. Um we don't need oh, interesting, interesting mm-hmm. fun fact. I think it talks about this in tongue speaking. What prophecy? What, what is prophecy? Um, I think I know what you're about to talk about, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, ah, yes. Pro- prophecy in uh, the New Testament, like, apostolic gift sense, right? Like, the way that it's presented in in those uh, in those books is that it is basically, like, speaking the words of God, right? That's what prophesying is, speaking the words of God. Um, but we have a situation in which the, um, the, the New Testament is still being written. We have letters that are being passed around at churches, but may not get to all these churches and there's a lot of churches sprouting up in a lot of places in the roman empire um prophecy was most likely as um kenneth gentry points out here um given as a way to basically like keep his people um in line with what his word says as a, as a point of like uh we, we probably had other people um who were like other apostles like at various 
places as they went around, right? Like prophesying this, you know, the same sort of things that we would eventually have written down for us in the gospels, in the, in the epistles and mm-hmm. in, in all those places. Right. But because the written form hadn't appeared yet, um, it was a way of like safeguarding uh, God's people uh, for people to be able to like be, be saying like, I, you know, speaking for God, this is a prophecy. And, and then they would check it with the old Testament scriptures and they'd be like, ah, that, that lines up. Um, but then they would get the the final written word in the New Testament, and then that would basically be the same sort of thing that they had already gotten through prophecy. But it was just a way of like speaking for God um, in the New Testament as the church was growing, right? A way to build up the church in a time that it was still very very new. So, yeah. but and nothing, none of that needed to be specifically recorded because it didn't add anything to the exactly scripture. Yeah, because it was yeah. just a repetition of what was already true from that. Yeah. Um, right. So we're talking about cessationism, right? That's, that's the whole point um, of the idea that for specifically like prophecy and like um, uh, getting any like new word from God, we don't need those things because the canon is closed. We have everything we need. Hebrews 1, 1, we were, we found our, the word in Jesus Christ. We don't need anything else, right? This is the word of God and, and that's all we need. Uh, and we don't need any other prophecy stuff. It's all, it's all, it's finished. The word of God is now continuously in one state and you can read it <laughs> for all scripture is god breathed and useful for teaching for proof yeah. for rebuking for training in righteousness so the man of god may be thoroughly equipped um for every good work or complete thoroughly equipped for every good work that that verse is referring to old testament and new testament um and either first or second peter mm-hmm. peter himself treats uh, what Paul is currently writing and what is currently being uh, exchanged between first century churches as scripture. Peter equates Paul's writings with scripture. And in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, mm-hmm. Paul yeah. is addressing the fact that all scripture, all scripture, what what are, what is scripture to them at that point in time? What the apostles are writing and sending to each other as different churches, those who are already been starting to be passed around. And so when he says all scripture, he means what we have now as canon. That's all of that is scripture and all of it is God breathed and all of it makes us complete equipped for every good work. We don't need anything else for our understanding besides scripture. Um, and, and what we, I guess we should say, what Just we another... can discover from scripture, um, because obviously understanding historical context helps us to understand scripture. Um, so that's important too. We shouldn't just say, well, all other extra, extra biblical books should just be thrown out um, that we could, shouldn't read from pastors and, and whatnot, other Christians. The point is, is we don't get our understanding added or detracted anything from scripture itself. And that is our understanding of theology. Kelly, what were you going to say? Yeah. And to add on to that a little bit, um, mo- most recently I've read Paul and John say it. They've said, like, you know, they write this letter of things to the church, and then they say, and you know that our testimony is true. Basically, you know that we can trust these things that we are telling you. And those churches are treating those words as you know, revelation from God that they should be trusting. Mm -hmm. So it's not just, it's not just the apostles being like, oh yeah, we agree that 
each other as this this club of apostles that that we're writing scripture it's not just that it's the churches knowing that this is this is revelation from god that they should be listening to and obeying yeah um so um silvius one did uh give his further clarification uh, i was thinking about it i was thinking it about the fact that they are not coming to christ but they're coming to a Christian to talk after the dream and talking and hearing the gospel. It does not bring them to Christ alone. I was just wondering if these dreams fit in with cessationism or full cessationism. Yeah. I, I don't see any reason why not. Why not? Right. Like I just because like, um, like I, I believe that it's very true that, that God could be, yeah, because he's, he ordains all things, right. We, mm-hmm. we serve a sovereign God who ordains all things. Obviously, God is using the means of this guy having a dream, right, to bring this person to a, a Christian who's going to them mm-hmm. to hear the gospel. Whether or not, whether or not it is like the literal, actual like words of God being transmitted to them, <laughs> theonostos in their dreams, I don't think so, right? Like that that doesn't seem to be the the case when we look at scripture. Um, but because mm-hmm. we serve a sovereign God, He can use any means He wants to to bring someone to to Christ, right? He He makes. I mean, I, I don't think that's as unbelievable as um uh i don't i don't believe that's any less believable than say getting to a car accident but it's you know a minor car accident and you and the guy you hit on accident uh is a christian and you guys are like oh man sorry about that and then you become friends and then this Mm -hmm. person's like oh i'm gonna share the gospel with you right that's obviously ordained by god from eternity past to Mm -hmm. have this person to share the gospel to them it's a means by which god uses to bring people to faith it's you know you, I, could I especially... look at, you could even look at nature and say, you know, yes. God is, it's, it's evident that there is a God. And yep. so even that could drive people to want to hear the gospel, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. that alone is not sufficient to it's save. Sufficient. That's only yeah. sufficient for condemnation if they don't respond to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Like say, say this person, say this Muslim had a dream and it was like, go talk to a Christian. And they're like, nah, mm-hmm. or they did talk to the Christian and they heard the gospel and they're like, nah absolutely not like i'm going to reject god and continue in my own sinful ways god used that as a condemnation on them right yeah. like in the same way he would have used it mm-hmm. as a means of grace if they were saved so yeah we, we serve a sovereign god who uses means to accomplish that i i think i think the story that jeff durbin tells about the, the 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 child that was saved through their abortion ministry um i don't remember the kid's name now um but i think you both know what i'm talking about i don't yeah um so so there was there was a father inside the abortion clinic and and his his wife was um getting prepped for the abortion and they were outside preaching the gospel um and holding signs and whatnot and i I mean so they they'd already had like four kids and so they were going to get this abortion for their fifth child and he's sitting inside and he's thinking, okay, like, should I do this? Should I not do this? And he was like, okay, listening to the preaching. And he was like, okay, God, if, if, if you don't want me to, to go through with this, if you don't want me to go through with this abortion, give me a sign. And he looks out the window and there's a Christian holding a sign that says, you know, please don't murder your child, something along those lines. And he's like, okay, all right, obviously. And then he's like, okay, uh, God, if you don't want me to do this, let let that man be the owner of that van down there. And he like points to some random van <laughs> um, that's like parked on the street. And he then goes outside and says, Hey, are, are you the owner of that car over there? 
And he's like, what, that one? Uh, yeah. And he's like, that, that van, like you're the owner of, and he's like, yes. And he's like, all right. And he runs inside and like practically kicks down the door um, to, to say, well, he tells, he tells the nurse, let me in. And the nurse says, no. And he says, I will kick down this door if you don't let me into my wife. And, and so they let him in, but uh, he, then he saved his child because God gave him a sign. Right. And it was, that's divine providence. That's, that's not a supernatural mm -hmm. miracle. I think, yeah. I think that's the difference is we got to have to go back to R.C. Sproul and uh, John MacArthur's definition of a miracle. Um, a miracle is somebody lost their entire arm and it grows back, right? Um, what's not a miracle is divine providence like that. Um, that's, that's not a miracle. That's not outside the realm of normal laws yeah. of the universe yeah. that we can see and observe and come up with an excuse for Somebody yeah. has a whole arm that's gone and it just comes back. We don't have an excuse for that. There's there's no way to get around that. That was an act of divine miraculous Nanobots from the future. Right. <laughs> yeah, so that's my excuse. Right. Okay. So so obviously, you know, like I think it has to come down to that. Um, a, a Muslim having a dream, which leads them to a Christian, which leads them to hear the gospel. That's divine providence. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's divine miraculous intervention. And so I think that's where we can make the cutoff to we're full cessationists because we don't believe that God still doesn't use things to fulfill his ordained means um, by any means. <laughs> um, we simply think that God is not using these miraculous signs and wonders anymore because this is not the end of an era. Yeah, this isn't a prophetic mm -hmm. era that, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Hey, you guys any, have any other uh, thoughts on that? I mean, I thought maybe, because you briefly brought it up earlier, Caleb, we might want to talk about mm -hmm. the idea of, of tongues or s signs like this being evidence of being quote, baptized in the Holy Spirit, because that's something that that I heard a lot growing up, and it's something that very much confused me. Um, not all Pentecostal churches believe that speaking in tongues is a proof of salvation and that you have to speak in tongues in True. order to prove yeah, yeah, you're yeah. saved. Yes. But, um, but it is a very more intense confusing... more intense ones, do you believe that? Yeah, yeah, it's a very confusing topic because mm -hmm. I've heard different things i've heard that like oh you're not baptized in the holy spirit you're not being sanctified if you haven't spoken in tongues and that just doesn't make sense at all according to what scripture says um but then i've heard people say i've heard heard pentecostals say yeah speaking in tongues isn't required for any form of like proof of salvation um but yeah what do you guys have to say to to any of that I don't know if I have anything to add particularly. <laughs> no, me neither. Yeah, I mean, I'll just say then it's it's not it's not biblical to say that if someone doesn't speak in tongues, yeah, that they're not saved. Because I mean, just as already, an obvious thing, like yeah, that's we've already talked about. <laughs> right, you're adding something to salvation, right? That's, yeah, it's yeah. not okay. Yeah, <laughs> obviously, if if we could talk about how, um if 
if we believed, say say we did believe that tongues were still spoken and it was supposed to be normative, then you I could see why someone maybe would come to that conclusion um, because it's like this is like a fruit of the spirit sort of an idea, right? If so, it's something that every Christian had, then right. Yeah, right. That would be a logical um, conclusion. But. but not even, but that's the thing, right? Not yeah. even every Christian in the first century had this gift yeah, of tongues. Exactly. And so it's just, it's a it's a bit of back, bad exegesis that leads mm-hmm. to an <laughs> unnecessary burden placed on people. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah, just going off of that then, obviously, if if someone believes something that is contrary to scripture, um, especially in terms of salvation like that, it's it's obviously okay if they think that speaking in tongues is required for salvation then clearly they don't understand the gospel but if they repent of that because they're confronted with the truth of scripture that is a sign of salvation mm-hmm. so that's that's the difference is there are plenty of people yeah. who have been deceived over the years into false doctrines right the difference is as to whether or not they were saved is whether or not they repent mm-hmm. If they don't repent, that's why even something like creation evolution, um, if if a a brother in Christ continually is is confronted with the truth of um, creation, as, as the Bible actually teaches, and that God did not use evolution, he created the world in six literal days and rested on the seventh, and they go years and years without repenting of that sin, I would say that that's a cause to question your own salvation, right? Um, and that's just with just as with anything. Now, obviously, no Christian is ever going to fully and completely repent of every sin before yeah. they die. Mm-hmm. And that's not the point. The point is, when somebody calls you out on your sin, how do you react? Mm-hmm. Do you react like King David did when the prophet Nathan mm-hmm. called him out for adultery and murder? And if you mm-hmm. don't, question your salvation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's so it's important to and specifically when we're talking about like in a particular local body too right like as as whether or not um how you treat people um right and in like church discipline how church discipline goes um it's this idea Mm -hmm. that you you'd confront a member um and and be like hey you know this is sin like here's the scriptural proof for it if they don't listen to you then you bring another person with with you you bring them before the church right like this whole process again like it can be done for anything that like um we're kind of working through sanctification, right? That this is the biblical mandate for this thing. And uh, then you, you say, all right, you know, you're still in sin. You haven't repented of it. Like, I'm sorry. Like we have to treat you as if you are um, a tax collector or a, you know, outsider person, basically. Right. Like, as it says in Matthew 18 uh, or Matthew 7, which means no, Matthew that 18. Is, that's Matthew 18. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I got that mixed up no, that's fine. Which means that we don't stop loving them. Yeah. We instead mm-hmm. love them in a different way. We love yep. them in a better way. We love them in a more needed way for mm-hmm. their good. Mm-hmm. Because if somebody is showing their un- an unrepentant sin, that means we have to go back to preaching the gospel to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they're clearly not saved. That's that's the what we have in Matthew 18. It's not that, well, let's kick them out of the church and treat them like a tax collector and treat them horribly. No. Mm-hmm. How do we treat tax collectors? We preach the gospel to them. Mm-hmm. But luckily, uh, the sins of false doctrine in a lot, you know, most most cases, because most false doctrine is, you know, secondary or ter- tertiary stuff, right? Like, uh, that's also going to be forgiven on the cross. And we'll, <laughs> we'll, yeah. uh, 
you know, stand in heaven knowing that we didn't believe the right things and we, you know, held on to beliefs that we we uh, should have repented of. But God is gracious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. You have any have any other thoughts before we close up here? No. Yeah, I feel like we didn't go through a lot of the normal uh, arguments that would be brought up uh, against cessationism, but that's because we, I feel like we have better so we arguments. we went through the major ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, seriously. We that, went through the ones that nobody ever talks about. But are much more convincing. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, just, that just book on, yeah, the book on Kenneth Gentry, uh, the, the book on tongue speaking by Kenneth Gentry just totally mm-hmm. changed my my blew yeah. my mind about this whole topic so yeah but i'm still the one did we answer your your question that's matt silvius yeah yeah no i, I knew see. that i just didn't want to give you know reveal his full name on the public internet unless he specifically gained it so <laughs> i did it i did the bad thing yeah it's okay i'm sure he'll forgive you i'm sure once he uh he calls you out that you'll repent and He'll forgive you. <laughs> yep. Okay. Alrighty. Cool. So, you can find us on Twitter at Christ underscore art underscore show, at Facebook at facebook.com slash Christian Artist Show, and at our website at Christian Artist Show.com. I apologize for not um, getting up uh, um, Bonus episodes, bonus episodes very much during the hiatus we were gone. I had so much going on. I was like ridiculously swamped with a whole bunch of things. I just got a new job uh, and I uh, have, uh, I just released an album. And so there's a lot going on, uh, but I'll try to, if I can, if I have a little bit, a little bit of time tomorrow, I'm going to try to prep some episodes to go up over the course of the time I'll be on vacation. So literally things going on uh but yeah you're, you're welcome mafuki as well in in chat uh good stuff i've, I've always appreciated the stuff that i've i've seen from you dude it's been fun to get to know you a bit better uh but yeah i think uh hopefully that was helpful uh cool stuff so we'll be gone for a week and i'll be gone for like, like a week and a half so uh, no Christian artist the next two Mondays. Um, yeah, two Mondays. Yeah. Wait, we're not going to do the Christian artist while we're. Well, we'll probably do a like live. special. Yeah, we'll do it like a special like pre-recorded episode, but okay. I won't be able to do okay. it live, so it will be released okay. when I get back. So. Okay. Yep. Uh, and yeah, no other streams while I'm while I'm gone. I'll right, be doing yeah. other stuff on vacation. Uh, but when we return. I think the next thing that will happen is Ternalius on the first mm-hmm. Thursday that we get back. I get back from first uh, Thursday of July, which is July 4th. Uh, maybe, I don't actually know. If we'll, <laughs> it's, that's uh, Independence Day. I mean, I certainly don't care about Independence Day, but people might I mean, be I things. do. Hashtag anarchy. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I agree. The, the incarnations of Independence Day. <laughs> Yes, let's throw let's throw um tea into the harbor and protest a, a like a one percent tax on tea. That sounds yes. like a great idea. <laughs> yes, anything above half a shekel is no go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a whole nother topic. Um, 
and, 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 and we just we just outlawed the other half of our viewers that weren't <laughs> on because of our falsitationism. Yep. Yep. Burning flags, yay or nay? Uh, I don't think that you should be fined or um, imprisoned for burning your own property. Even if it happens <laughs> to have a red, white, and blue color scheme. Uh, don't think that's a problem. Um, we also don't think that uh, cops should invade people's homes because they own a certain flag. Yeah, no, definitely shouldn't happen. They People um, have private property is yeah. the thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, 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 honestly, what, what it comes down to is the government shouldn't do anything. Yep. Whether or not it's a moral <laughs> action, well, then you go to scripture. But I, I don't think there's anything in scripture that that would say uh, anything about. Yeah, it would just depend on life. your intention and desires. Are you doing it to glorify God? And if so, how? <laughs> <laughs> I can see, I can see someone burning the flag to to glorify. Oh, absolutely, God. I could too. But sure. I, I would say for most of the time, most of the time, people are just. Flags, I would say how, <laughs> how. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous to like even even shame people for that it's just like okay it's it's a flag yeah. like it's not yep. that big of a deal i don't mm -hmm. i don't get it we have a weird worship complex of the sky cloth um, <laughs> yeah but <laughs> sky cloth. <laughs> half of the half of the meme pages i follow are anarchist <laughs> meme pages so i see that a lot yeah <laughs> yeah yeah all right well yeah now that we've alienated every single viewer uh in this episode let's go ahead and wrap it up shall we uh i'm really excited to go visit carl's and her family in washington yeah. it's gonna be fun so that's what i'm gonna do i'm just gonna get ready for that because that's basically the only thing i have I, I finished the video that i had to do for this weekend for church and so i'm, I'm basically just kind of like gearing up to go Gotta, I realized I had to wake up at five in the morning on Wednesday to actually get to my flight in time because it Ugh. takes apparently four hours for the bus and to not get... get in until five. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll be traveling for about 12 hours. No, 14 hours because that's five your time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll be fun. Dang. I'll be listening to a lot of podcasts. Uh, yep. But, uh, yeah, apparently it takes the bus four hours to get from Janesville to Midway Airport in Chicago. Oh gosh. So wow. Yeah, I'm not going to O'Hare. Uh, I didn't. I just realized that now that I'm going to a different airport in Chicago, which takes longer We're to get going to. to O'Hare, so. right? Uh, I think so. You should. You should obviously <laughs> check that. Yeah. All right. That's it. We're out.